Oh yes, there was always people staying here in the days of my grandfather. And um, they came, they spent a weekend, and there was shooting here, there was usually a day shooting of pheasants and maybe the woodcock, bit of woodcock in the deer park. And um, it was a sort of, you know, it was a weekend. You were six gamekeepers here. As I told you that before, that, that you know, six gamekeepers dressed in green, green, Plus fours, green stockings, black boots, dubbin boots, and 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 um, green waistcoat, green coat with stag hardened buttons, and do, you know the stag, what do you call the cap with the double peak? Deer stalker. The deer stalker. Yeah. Job is to beat the bushes, and make plenty of noise, so the pheasants will rise. Whenever they rise, then the gunners shoot them. The annual shoot on the Dunraven estate in Adair has been a big occasion for over 100 years. A special seasonal excitement is generated on the morning of the shoot as acres of woodland erupt to the sound of gunfire. Boys with sticks beat their way through the woods, flushing the birds as they go, while men with guns surrounding the wooded area fire both barrels and pheasants topple from the sky. The gamekeeper watches intently, proud that his hand-reared birds can soar high in the sky and provide good shooting for the guests, while the lord of the manor surveys the scene. And there's plenty of pleasant chat and good cheer for this rather unique sporting and social occasion. It's the nicest possible sort of uh, happy, relaxed friendship sort of thing. When you, when one says social, you begin to think of people in long white gloves and but um, yes, it, 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 it was, and, and um, has been even with Thady's syndicate. These are all his friends. And, I mean, it isn't like some people who have these big syndicates of Americans that fly in for, for three days and then fly out again. I mean, these are all, all more or less friends from nearby. The Dunraven family have been in Adair for about 300 years and the village grew up around the estate and manor house. The parkland estate, like the house itself, is full of character, and the acres of deciduous trees that dot rolling fields and paddocks are full of animal and bird life, while the River Maig flows serenely through all this, adding its own charm. But the stillness is shattered when the shooting starts, and the sound of gunfire is carried on the crisp morning air into the village where ordinary people do ordinary things. And the sounds are heard in the local school, and the boys look at one another, each envying the lads lucky enough to be out beating in the woods. Well, over a hundred years ago, those woods were planted and carefully laid out to accommodate driven game shooting. And of course, the local lore has many stories. Stories of lords and ladies, and good shots and bad shots. One story goes about a visiting lord in the height of the action, gun jumping to his shoulder with great speed but little success. His man, who was overexcited at the time and anxious to please the short-sighted lord, saw a strange bird in flight and in his excitement shouted, Rabbit overhead, me lord! And the noble lord let go with both barrels 
and was later said to have boasted of his rare achievement. After all, one doesn't often shoot a rabbit out of the sky. Well, it's an era that has reached its end. The manor and the estate are being sold by Lord Dunraven, and it is expected that they will be bought by the government. So last January, I went along to the last driven shoot to be held in a dare. It was a fresh and sunny winter's day. Nostalgia mixing in with the excitement of the shoot. But while the shooting season brings the excitement of the big day, it's the climax of months of work put in by the gamekeeper. Because the pheasants are hatched in June, and from then on it's a constant vigil, rearing and caring for the young chicks, and guarding them from predators, as gamekeeper Roger Forrester told me. The middle of June, we collect our day-old chicks, and then we put them into brooder house units, uh, which would probably hold about 250 to 300 birds. Now, these day-old chicks are kept under heat for approximately four and a half weeks, but they're out on grass from the second day. This is the whole thing about rearing pheasants properly, is to make them as wild as possible, as early as possible. Of course, the work of the gamekeeper on any estate is central to the success of a shoot, as Lord and Raven told me. We've always had gamekeepers. We've had um, the Quaid family. There was, uh, his, uh, Tim Quaid was the one I knew, the one I brought up with. It was a man who taught me how to shoot. I used to go rapid shooting with him when I was a kid. I shot my first pheasants, pheasant with him. And his father before him was gamekeeper here for many, many years before that. How important is the gamekeeper generally on an estate this size? Well, it's a, he's, a, he's the most important man because if it wasn't for a gamekeeper, you wouldn't have your pheasants. He's in charge of the pheasants from the time they arrive. If, you go, if you're breeding your own, it's a much more difficult thing because you've got incubators and everything else. But the way we do it, or have done it over the years, we bought day-old chicks. And um, from the day they arrived to the day the end of the shooting season is finished, which is from, the, about, say, the middle of, beginning, middle of, second week in June to the end of um, February, it's the end of January, that gamekeeper doesn't have a day off or one moment spare, but he's a dedic- he loves his job, he's a dedicated man, and, of course, when he sees the the shoots going well and pheasants being shot, not uh, not uh, murdered, but shot, I mean properly shot. And um, to him, of course, that's his, that's his life. I feel that my role is initially, A, to provide shooting for my employers, but the spin-off from that is enormous. Everywhere there is a, a shoot and the place is kept very quiet, it is virtually a nature reserve other than for the two or three predatory species that are controlled to benefit the pheasants or the ducks or whatever it might be, and the two or three quarry species like the pheasants or the ducks. But there are frequently using that area possibly a hundred and odd species of birds, several species of mammals, which all benefit from the presence of a keeper who is really no more than a warden for the other species. It's only the actual quarry species and the predators, which in total would come to about five, and all the others would benefit enormously. Because we don't want to see these deciduous woodlands cut down. And invariably, it is the finances of the pheasant shoot that saves 
a great deal of deciduous woodland. If this were cut down, this wood we're standing in now, it would almost certainly be replaced by some conifer plantation of non-indigenous species, probably North American spruces of some kind, and they are of very little use to wildlife in general. So I feel that the role of the, the large estate's shoot is, is really quite considerable. I feel that they are mini nature reserves other than the two or three species that possibly would be shot or controlled in them. All the farmland around the domain was preserved. No one has a gun that time around here. I mean, said the ordinary man the state hadn't a gun at all. No such thing as a shotgun that time around the place. A farmer might have a gun, an old single battle for to kill vermin or something like that. But uh, there were different grades of people then, you know, on the shores. You understand? And who was invited the first day then? The first day, no, that'd be all, all lords from England and all generals and the British Army and colonels and titled people. And uh, the second show then would be little lord on the grade, you know. And the third thing could be like the maybe local doctor and a couple of big farmers, we'd say. We'd call them gentlemen farmers, you know, that kind of thing. They'd start off in the morning about 10 o'clock. There'd be about 150 beaters. All, this, all the employees in the estate would be beating for that day. They'd be no work on the estate. You know, except a very few people. I mean, they might mean with cows, cattle and things, you know. They'd be beating the bushes to rise the pheasants. Yeah, they call them line across in different drives, they call them, you know. They'd be lying across. They'd be different shooting walks. There'd be one walk, say, here, no, we were sitting down that way, no. But that width. Then you go across the road, across the road, another shows, and there'd be, min- there'd be little stakes down on the ground, labelled with little tags in them, where the gun should stand. And there'd, there'd, he'd have a valet alongside him. They all had valets that time, all the, all the gentlemen we, we used to call them. And uh, the, the, he'd, he, he'd be kept going, and he'd be knocking the pheasants, and the, the other man loading, the valet loading for him, and handing him the second gun, and you know that kind of thing. No, no waiting. Because the pheasants were that thick that time. They shot, oh, quiet, the head gamekeeper told me, they shot 1,400 birds in the park in one day. The deer park here, the 400 acre wood there, and you know, they wouldn't come back the road there. They shot 1,400 birds, he told me. My quiet. That terrible short enough for one day. Back in 1897, that was. But pheasant shooting, of course, has changed a lot because I was saying that now the wild pheasants are not so plentiful. They're very few, if, if any, and it's a matter of uh, rearing pheasants. And um, so, I mean, it's not quite the same as it was. Yeah, well, initially, the whole layout of the estate was planted so that it would provide good driven shooting, probably about 150 years ago, I would imagine, just at the start of the era of given, driven game. You know, when it was... Uh, driven game was a relatively new concept in about the 1850s, and I would imagine that the covers were planted sometime around that time. And without g- good layout of covers, you can't show good birds. You know, nobody wants to shoot low birds. The whole essence of driven pheasant shooting is that they are high, difficult birds. The thing is not to kill huge bags, it's to kill very difficult birds that give sporting shots. It's not about slaughter. It's about a difficult, challenging bird that it flies as well as possible. When, in fact, did shoots such as this begin? 
Well, I don't know the precise time, but it basically started with the invention of the breech-loading gun, because it, it, it implied that a gun could be loaded more quickly. The old muzzle-loading gun meant that you walked up your individual bird, fired the shot, and then had to use powder and sh shot and muzzle um, ramrod to prime the gun again. And once breech-loading guns came in, it meant that it, they could be shot more quickly. And people were aware that it didn't take as long between each shot, so the concept of driven game became an idea. And from then on, it became a tradition. Uh, it was in its heyday around the turn of the century. In the late uh, 1800s and early 1900s, its real heyday was before the First World War. The destruction of the great estates took place during the First World War. It was the, the great social changes took place then and uh, land changed hands and great estates were broken up and this sort of thing. And gradually driven game shooting has changed from a sport of the, say, totally elite, if you wish to call them that, to a much broader based thing. I mean, a lot of ordinary businessmen and farmers joined together to form syndicates and enjoy driven shooting. The morning of the shoot was sunny and bright, although a little more wind to lift the pheasants would have been appreciated. Still, everyone seemed eager to be off. The loud chatter about parties and the night before diminished, as the men with the guns stood by their pegs, which indicated their position in a circle around the top of the wood. As they waited for the beaters to drive the pheasants from the wood, the dogs were standing by, to collect the dead birds. I moved through the wood with the beaters as the horn sounded the start of the drive. The beating that wood down, is it down there along there? No? We have to be below to beat back the... Uh, and the how bar. many will you have with you now? Three, two, two, two buyers in this one. What do you enjoy most about it, a day shooting now, beating for the shoot? And the whole lot, as it says, the whole lot in general. The exercise and, 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 and the, the enjoyment of shifting the boards out of their positions and all that kind of thing. Was it difficult to, to rise him today? Well, yeah. there's no wind, you see. There's enough for wind there, you know? <laughs> I suppose you've been uh, beating here before and right. No, as they come every season, Captain Williams and Nakiri Sturge, you know? And uh, how was the day now today, would you say, for rising the pheasant and getting them up with the sun early in the morning? Was it a bright? Was it too well, bright? It was too bright, I say. And there wasn't any. If there was wind, you'd have better shooting, you know? Mm. You'd better. Better sport than here, surely. <laughs> I think the main thing for the beater is to go nice and handy, you know, go slow, keep going, not to be running off too fast, you know, go nice and handy all the time. And would you say, Paddy? Yeah, I'd say it, yeah. uh, you know, the birds get cute too, and they can they uh, slip you and hide and all that kind of thing. You want to be, as Jim said, you want to go slow and get them out from under the cover. Get them out, yeah. Bring on the right, or they go on top of the right. 
shot in the wood we go in and we clean up and we make sure there's nothing left in the wood that also enables the guns to move on they can move on to the next drive they're not held up they're not delayed looking for far far boards but the particular dogs this particular dog i have here now is a field trial dog and uh, i suppose the main advantage of having a field trial dog would be that the dogs will hunt as we tell them to hunt They'll hunt where we want them to hunt, and they'll hunt on direction, command, but only when we tell them. You can see there the dog will sit quietly at a drive, and uh, if any birds come out this way and are shot here, he won't even attempt to pick one of these birds unless I tell him. Other birds will come down wounded, and wounded birds, the humane thing to do is to dispatch them as fast as possible. And this is the, the big advantage of these things. You can get them on the line, and uh, what's that? there's one after coming down over there now near that uh, corner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have to. What we normally do also is we uh, watch this now. Now this is what I was saying. The guns, the guns. Generally, if you watch there, you'll see the guns generally won't take low boards. Now look. Now that's a wounded board and I've got to get that straight away. Ada, Ada, go on, get on. But that dog won't again go until he's told. Now is he going to, as you say, dispatch that board? Oh no, he won't kill that board. Oh, if he kills that board, that dog is no good to me. He's got to bring that board back. Uh, If he crushes the board, then the board is, is useless for the table. So he'll catch, he'll, look, he'll bring that board back and I'll actually kill the board. I'll, I'll uh, dispatch the board. Here, Ada. No. Leave it. Up, up, up. Up, Ada. Come on. Right. 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 No, you're going to twist his neck there, are you? Yeah, well, it's the it's the it's the it's the fastest way to, to put him out of it, uh, to put him out of action. Oh, he's dead now. This part. His neck is broke. My job is picking up the game. I had a pony in trap, especially for the day. Oh, there will be three, two, three days shooting there, and. I'd have to pick him up and give him an account to the man. At every beat, I should have to give an account of him, what I had got. Now, 
I was in the game card in for eight or nine years. I had one great, one great laugh in, in my experience. And uh, we were going up from Dabby. Lady Nancy, Wyndham Henry now. Lady Nancy was there and she shot a woodcock. Poor George Sparrow, no, no, George, or the forester. And there was a clump of all these old Sidney grass, you know, and it spread out. And I couldn't, there was four dogs there. Four, five dogs there. And I couldn't get the bloody thing. That, uh, so I was talking to him and himself and George Sparrow, well, I'd be waiting till the keepers come down again, or the baiters come down again. We'll have another look for the woodcock here, he says to me. Right, my lads. So I got a stick and I was going out and going out. We went around this old sedge and I lifted it up, you see, lifted Next thing, out goes the woodcock. And I just hit him with the thing. Well done, here, he says. Well done, he says. <laughs> and he says, I never had much regard for dogs and I have less now, he says. <laughs> God, he put his hand out his pocket and he gave me two shillings. And for the lot of money that is. He did, man. Well, give me the woodcock here. To that day, to this, no, Lou McCarthy and Timmy Quaid made out I gave them the woodcock out of the car. I go away. Uh, uh. <laughs> they never believed that you actually... Never, 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 after having four or five dogs there. Never. And of course, they were the gamekeepers. Oh, they were. Really for the dogs, oh, and they were jealous then, Oh, they? that was raging, raging. Oh, Lou McCarthy at least walked to me for a long time. That's why it got lost. It only got as far as 1929, so we thought we'd better take it away from <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did. That'd be fun, but it got on from the still might have been there. Over! No, it's too good for everybody. See the way they're going from one wood to the other? It's it's the it's the shark. It's the shark that will actually kill the pheasant, even rather than you know being hit in a vital area. The shot and the, you know if they're hit with three or four pellets, they can the shark will actually kill them or bring them down, rather than being hit you know in, hit in the head or something like that. days when I first used to come out there were a lot more wild pheasants and of course wild you didn't have to put so many down and of course wild pheasants are, are naturally the best to shoot because they're totally wild and they can go anywhere but with weird pheasants and uh, you um, you have to train not train them but after the second first shoot they may not fly as well and then the second third shoots and as they come on they get better because they know what they're doing and mm. Also, they know what they're, what's going to happen to them, so they get, you know, they more get wily. up the more wily. Mm. The, shoot, the shooting aspect in it is, uh, we, my syndicate that I have here, and I've had here now for many years, are friends. I don't go in for these um, very high-powered big boyos who fly over America or what have you, because, um, A, my shoot isn't quite, uh, isn't made for that, but B, because I like it to have my friends and to invite friends to shoot, who, who, who shoot, who have shot in Ireland, all over the country, and some of them are better snipe shots than pheasant shots, and 
but it's um to me it's you know you you it's a good day or a bad day but it's still fun we also sell at the end of each season we sell hen pheasants and cock pheasants we catch them up and sell them to gun clubs all over Ireland and we have a great demand for this year for sale of, of pheasants which will go to gun clubs to start uh, to increase their stock to be let out into the into their preserves to make shooting possible for um, a lot more people how expensive is it um, when you mentioned earlier the syndicate the group of friends that uh, you have here mm -hmm. at a shoot uh, do they have an, a financial uh, involvement in this or do you have to pay for the rearing and caring and purchasing of pheasants um, well let's put it this way what we do is that beginning of each year we work out how much a year is going to cost us and we then divide it down to how many to eight guns uh, because eight guns is enough we as, as mean we can have or want and um, we divide it down and each person pays his share it's a great day out As you see the bird, you put your gun up to your shoulder and then you swing through the bird, but you don't sort of aim, it's, it's a reflex action. And if, uh, if your swing is right, you'll hit the bird. But what tends to happen is that um, one shoots behind them because one's not, one hasn't really got one swing going properly. And if you're swinging to the left or to the right, there's differences there. Depends on the position of your feet. Um, really, your left foot should be forward, and the more around to the right it is, you want to bring your foot around to. That's the theory of it. It's a knack. It's a. I don't know. You don't aim as such, and you just see the bird and swing and pull the trigger. Could you say what is the attraction for you? What is the thing that gives you most excitement from a day's shooting? I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I enjoy the sort of organising of the shoot, you know, the, the practicalities of, of working with the keeper, working out where the birds are going to be, how many we want to shoot in terms of um, uh, the amount of feed that's eaten by the birds. Um, and I love working the dogs. And if if it's a... I really, I get a tremendous pleasure out of a really high bird. That's the challenge, really, That's isn't the it? challenge. You know, if one comes out really high and you kill it fair and square. Mm. But if they're low, you know, I'm not all that interested. I'd rather watch dogs working than shoot low birds. Because it is a sport. You know, it's like all the other sports. It is a sport, and... and if it doesn't give you a thrill, if there isn't a sort of an excitement about what you're doing, it's not a sport. How many young pheasants um, are reared each year? And how many then are remain at the end of a shoot? Depends entirely on, on the estate. Um, we put down about 3,000 here. And if things have gone particularly well, you'll shoot uh, maybe 60%, but no more than that. And that's good. <coughs> I suppose 
some people would see it inevitably as a slaughter. There is a small wooded area, um, 20 or 30 people beat the bushes and rise. What are, after all, probably hand-reared birds. Or, uh, the birds go out and the guns are circling the wood. Yeah, well, there are eight guns near a wood which probably has, at minimum, six or eight acres, which means that there is a lot of area in which the birds can go out and avoid the guns. But I don't think that it's slaughter in that sense, and I don't see anything ethically wrong with it, in as much that these birds have had their freedom for nearly nine months. They've been released and taught to adapt to the wild. Um, they have a good reasonable chance of living to a ripe old age. They've got far more chance than a, a broiler house chicken or an intensively reared pig, which never sees the light of day. Nobody ever has any qualms about eating chickens or pigs and the conditions they are kept in are frequently appalling. These birds live in the wild and they've got a hell of a good chance of, you know, living out their lives in the wild for years. You've been here and seen the, the, how crafty pheasants get. I mean, you get pheasants that'll even actually walk out in front of the guns and they won't fly. I mean, they're not stupid. <laughs> they're not stupid pheasants. I say I'd rather, I'd rather be a pheasant than anything else for the simple reason that you've got a 50-50 chance of living through a season. You're being fed, the keeper's killing all the vermin, he's looking after you. All you've got to do is get crafty. I mean, pheasants are wild things. I mean, we hatch them, we rear them, we put them into pens, we draw them out into the woods ready for shooting. If they want to wander across the boundary, they just go and wander across the boundary. I mean, they're a free spirit. I mean, if they stay and eat the wheat that we're leaving, I mean, some of them are bound to be killed, but I mean, it's... I'd rather go that way than anywhere else, I'd say. How much do you feel that there is a free spirit in parkland estates like this? where it's controlled, um, there is a, the function of the gamekeeper, I suppose, is to control some of the um, various species in there. Well, you've got to with pheasants, you see. Pheasants are not a native species, they nest on the ground. And in the beginning, I say, you see, we, we've bred with all this intensive rear and incubators and, you know, very intensive rear, and we rear about 5,000 a year. You see, you breed all the instinct out of pheasants. I mean, I've got to keep down vermin. But, uh, I mean, not, not, not only are keepers doing pheasants a lot of good, they're doing the rest of the bird population a lot of good. I mean, I find, found that at, at Curramar, the estate was absolutely riddled with vermin. You know, the, the place, there was hardly any songbirds, the squirrel population was down. And, I mean, the rat population was up, the fox population was up. I mean, the first year I was at Curramar, we killed over 300 foxes. I mean, you've got to keep the vermin down. I mean, I'm being paid a to do a job. And, I mean, if I didn't have pheasants in the drives, I wouldn't have a job. It's as simple as that. It's like anything else. It's natural in me to protect those pheasants. I mean, it's part of my job. I mean, it's the fox's instinct to kill them. It's my instinct to kill the fox. It's as simple as that. I mean, I've been doing the job a long time. You know, I've been in the job a long time, and it gets, it gets to be a natural instinct. But as the day's shooting progressed, all the work of the gamekeepers seemed to be epitomised by a watery sun that shone on the multicoloured feathers of the dead pheasants. In brilliant hues of amber and gold, their limp bodies dangled over the sides of the game car. Then, lunchtime. The guests were driven to the manor house for the traditional long liquid lunch, and the men and boys who beat the bushes 
relaxed in a cottage in the woods. There was much chat and stories of the old days, and the heyday of the manor shoot, and of course lunchtime during the shoots of long ago. We had it in Mount William there one day, and we had a, a half barrel of stout, you see, and plenty of sandwiches, beef sandwiches, and all this. But we got the porter ran out as we thought, you know, and some long was there. That blood, there was nothing in that barrel, he says, like that, you know. So I went down and I got a stone, and I hit the old tap, and that was, that was all gone, oh, nearly, the whole atom was nearly gone over to knock hands. Thought to God, didn't we get about two buckets of porter? <laughs> as the afternoon wore on, new drives covered different woods in other delightful corners of this vast estate. And then we were moving on the edge of a wood, with the river flowing swiftly beside us. Oh, back! Back! Steady now. Steady. Obviously, safety is very important when people walk with guns uh, through the woods. And How important is it, and can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, safety is of the utmost importance. And any young man starting to shoot who doesn't come from a shooting background should definitely have a lesson because you only make the same mistake once with a gun. It's, it's just too serious to have someone who doesn't understand because in the heat of a big flush of birds, some young people do get excited and some old people do, as a matter of fact, also. But uh, one mistake is enough to cause a death. And that is very serious. But there was one case in point where we were shooting in an estate up in Meath about 20 years ago. And a very erratic shot fired at a pheasant. And he shot, <laughs> he shot a, a telegraph man off a pole. Absolutely blew him off the pole, and he came back down to his host and he said, I think he said you better go up and give that fellow a brace of pheasants and a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping that that would do. Yeah. It cost him £5,000 in court. John. You got him? What happened there? That, 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 board, that board there isn't getting up. Well, obviously he's been, been shot at before. They get clever, you know, after a while. Oh, good shot, Vincent. They get clever after a while, you see. Oh, he's after pulling another one down yes, there very easily. Yeah, Here comes the dog across now. Behind you, shake Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a bit exciting, isn't it, this? Two good shots there now. They were. Well, Vincent is a very good shot. You know, he's um, he's a dog trainer, really. Now, why didn't that bird you were saying there get up? Uh, you're beating through the woods now. Would you come across many like that who would know what's going on? Well, uh, it's sort of the end of the season now, and there's quite a few shoots, and the, the pheasants get clever, you see, and they know they run. Quite a lot of them run back past the beaters, you know. I get him, Vincent. 
There was a good flurry of birds there. Tell me about it. You knocked quite a few of them. Yeah, well, you picked the best of them, you know. And uh, we got about, what, seven or eight birds there. In that one rush of birds? Yes, yes, about, se- about seven or eight, yeah. And uh, that is the last of the cover shooting there. This is the very last this is of the a last, long tradition. The last drive on the last day and the end of, a, of, a, of a, an era in cover shooting. Going back over a hundred years. And it's a very, very sad day. Now, when the horn blows now, that'll be the end of the Adair shoot. And it's a very, very sad day. Does it ever strike you that um, rearing the young pheasants and caring for them, as you have been doing over the months, um, guarding them from predators, and then the climax of the season is the shooting? and the driven shoots and pheasants come toppling down. All the birds that are shot are used as food. Um, People have enjoyable days in the countryside. If it weren't for some of the driven shoots, a lot of deciduous woodland would be cut down, possibly turned into intensive agriculture, which in itself is not wrong, but there must be places where woodland will survive the byproduct or the spin-off from this retention of deciduous woodland is enormous. There are vast numbers of common bird species that use deciduous woodland. A lot of small mammals use deciduous woodland. Great many species of butterflies use it. So I feel that really the woodland is being retained by private enterprise for the game shooting but the spin-off to natural history in general is enormous. As the last day's shoot on the Dunraven estate drew to a close, all the dead birds lay beside each peg, indicating the bag brought down by each gun. As Lord Dunraven gave each guest a brace of pheasants in the traditional manner, everyone seemed in agreement that it was a great day. A sad day, but a great day. Great. Most enjoyable. 140, 159. Great. And one woodcock. And the ones that you miss are the ones that bring you back. The highlight of your day anyway was... Um, what? Just one high bird. <laughs> John! Did you get that bird? John, he can't go anywhere. I suppose the, this particular day's shoot, uh, there's a, quite a bit of sadness associated with it. It is the end of an era. It is, yes, it is. It's the last, but as the manor is up for sale, hasn't yet been uh, sold, but uh, it's still up for sale. And um, but one has to to start for next season. One would have to start now, um, thinking about buying and young pheasants and what have you. And um, so we decided that there was no way we could. Do it, especially with a gamekeeper who's has naturally has to uh, look to his future. Mm. So it is the end of the Adair Manor shoot, mm. and it's sad, but that's the way life is, and that's mm. the way things go. I mean, it's something that it, that that has to be because of the sale of the of the manor and the lands. Uh, you know, the shooting. Mm. Um, has to stop 